It's really good to be in church on Sunday night. And it'll be good to be in church on Monday night. And Tuesday night. And Wednesday night. And you can do whatever you want on Thursday. That'll be just fine. But you come those other nights and we will have a wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, Take your Bible tonight, if you wouldn't turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter 4. We do have our CDs and things over there. Our newest CD is the one actually that's almost two years old now. It'll be two years old in December uh, because things just got really hectic and strange. And then we recorded a bunch of songs and then we lost hope and, and we've still got some more to record. And, and our new CD, Lord willing, um, will be out. I shouldn't even make baseless promises. But it will be out sooner or later someday. And uh, so if you want to know when that happens, it, it will be immediately available for download as soon as it's out. Um, because uh, a lot of you, you know, you don't buy physical product anymore. You just download things. And a lot of you have no idea what I just said. So there will be, C- I, there will be CDs. Uh, we still have to carry those for a while yet. But so they will be available. Uh, but it'll be available immediately for digital download, and hopefully that'll be by the first part of November. And uh, we're, we're redoing some old songs that I did by myself, like God on the Mountain and While Ages Roll and things like that. And, um, and we've already, like I said, we've already got a bunch of it done with all four of us, and we've just got to finish up a couple of things and some mixing and some mastering, and, and then it will be done and it will be ready to go. So if you want to know as soon as it's available, you can go to our website, which is just mrogers.com. And on the very first page of that website, there's a spot to sign up for the uh, email thing. Now, I I promise I will not fill your inbox with spam. I don't think I've written an email all year. Uh, But when the new CD comes out, there'll be an email that shows up in your outbox, in your inbox or your junk box, whatever it is. And it'll tell you that it's there and it's available. Uh, so if you want to know as soon as that happens, just go pop your email address into the front page of the website and, and then you will be the first to know. I promise you, you will be the first to know. And uh, then we also have a Christmas thing that we, <laughs> we've been working on for years now. And every year we record one more Christmas song. And so in about seven years, the Christmas CD will be done. Because we're going to record the third one this year, and, uh, and that won't come out as a whole CD, but it will only be, avail- be available as a download off the website or iTunes and all that. So if you want to know when that happens, put your name in the thing, and, and you're liable to get two whole emails from me this year. So don't assume I died. I just don't write. That's all, and, and uh, it'll be fine. If you found Philippians chapter 4, and you can stand easily, would you stand with me as we read the Word of God? I hate it when I sign up for some preacher's email and then I get begged for money for the rest of my life. They're building this or dedicating that and like, go away. You know, I got my own thing here. And uh, why don't you send me money? That's what I'm wondering. Why don't you do that? (laughs) So uh, trust me, that's not going to happen. I won't send you that kind of email. You won't get it. It'll just be, you know, we're still alive and the new CD is ready. So that's all that's going to happen. Philippians chapter four, beginning in verse number one. Therefore, my beloved, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. 
I beseech Eudeus and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord and don't be too judgy because you don't know how to say their names either. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can be here tonight. Lord, that we can sing songs about work for the night is coming. I'll go where you want me to go. And we know what's going to happen for all of eternity. We get to be around the throne of God, praising you for your wonderful salvation. Lord, thank you that all those things are real, that they're not just fairy tales. They're not just stories that we talk about, but it's real. God, tonight, as we look into your word, I pray that you would help us apply it to our lives. And we'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. Here in, in Philippians, uh, there's only four chapters in this little book. And yet in each chapter, you see God through the Apostle Paul telling the church at Philippi to rejoice. It's all through the book. And when you stop and think about the circumstances, it it seems almost awkward. Paul is writing from prison, not a place we would normally associate with rejoicing. And he's writing to a church that's under the auspices of the Roman Empire with Nero as the emperor. Christians are being persecuted. They're, they're a persecuted group of people and they're being told to rejoice. And again, here in the last, chap the last chapter of the book, verse number four, he throws it in one more time and says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Now, how in the world do you rejoice? when you're persecuted and you got trouble and things are not going the way you want them to go. Well, you're not rejoicing in the circumstances. If your rejoicing is based on your circumstances, there are going to be a lot of days when you can't rejoice because circumstances are bad. Don't pretend you don't have bad days. Everybody does. And you get bad news and there are bad situations and bad circumstances and things happen in this fallen sin cursed world. And you don't rejoice that something bad just happened. I mean, you don't slam your hand in the car door. And well, you might you might slam your hand in the car door and say, praise the Lord. But you don't mean that. <laughs> you, know, you don't mean that. <laughs> you hypocrite. You don't mean that at all. No, you've just trained yourself not to say bad things. Right because you don't want to dishonor God and lose your testimony. So you trained yourself to say something else that's, you know, not going to be offensive and hurtful. And, but you don't mean that. Nobody rejoices that they slammed their finger in the car door. You don't rejoice in the circumstances. But look at what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Our rejoicing is in the Lord. And that means the circumstances don't matter. I can still rejoice. 
I mean, I can have everything fall apart and go just the opposite of the way I wanted it. And I can still rejoice because my rejoicing is not based on what happened to me today. It's based on my relationship with the God of heaven. And that never changes. That's solid and secure, and I can rejoice in that, and I can do it every single day. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. And then he begins to tell us how to have something that this world not only doesn't have, but they don't know where to get it, and that is peace. That's what I want to preach to you about tonight, the pursuit of peace. Everybody wants peace. They do. Really, they do. Nobody wants to live in turmoil. Nobody wants to live in confusion. Nobody wants to live in fear and anxiety. Everybody wants peace. The problem is most folks don't know where to get it. And when you go looking for peace in the wrong places, not only do you not find peace, you find less peace than you had when you started. Really. Listen, uh, in 2020, of course, the whole COVID thing was, was going on. And, and, you know, it was a strange time. Without a doubt, it was a strange time. And we travel all the time. We're out 52 weeks of the year. We travel all the time. I was just talking to a preacher on the phone, I think on Thursday or Friday morning or something. And he said, well, you probably have, you probably have a lot of openings around this time. I said, I'm sorry, brother. We really, we don't. We just don't. We're, we're out every week somewhere. And, and that's just the way the Lord has done. And thank God for it. That's a wonderful blessing. But when COVID hit in, uh, in the end of March of 2020, all of a sudden everything shut down. You know how that happened. And churches stopped having services and everybody went online. And after all, it was only two weeks to flatten the curve. You know, this is two weeks to flatten the curve. And then it was and then it just got curvier and curvier and then it was three weeks and four weeks and a month. And, uh, and it just kept getting curvy. And some folks still like it curvy. I, I don't know. But, but uh, you know, thank God it's calmed down a bit. But we were, we were stuck at home for two and a half months. Ten weeks. Ten weeks we were at the house. We, we did sneak out for one thing that we did in a parking lot at a church up by, uh, up by Youngstown. And that was a lot of fun. It was good just to be in the parking lot. I mean, it was exciting. Just to be in a parking lot full of cars, except that it rained. We had this horrible rainstorm, and I'm up on the fire escape preaching to a bunch of cars with their windshield wipers on, and, and, and it would downpour, and I would step back inside the building, and then it would calm down, and I would step outside the building and ruin an umbrella, because I took that out there, and the wind just <laughs> took it away, and it, it was a horrible mess, but boy, was it fun. Because people, people who wouldn't grunt in church would honk in the parking lot. They'd hear something like honk, honk, honk. I almost thought we should install horns in the pews just for the shy folks, you know, so they could honk, honk. You won't do anything else. Might as well do that. Amen. But other than that, we were stuck at home for 10 weeks. And then, uh, you know, we were, we were trying to figure out what to do. And Liz said, should I get a job at Walmart? Because that's an essential business. You can't close Walmart. Or the liquor store. You, you can't close that either. But she didn't ask to work there. She didn't. I just, I just popped into my head. She may have wanted to, but she didn't ask. I had a good nap this afternoon. And, and, uh, just, I'm ready to go. Amen. 
And, and, and if that wasn't weird enough, you know, everything shut down and, and then they're saying, oh, you can't come in the store unless you wear a mask. Listen, you don't want to say that in Franklin, Kentucky. I'm telling you that. The poor little guy, little girl, standing outside the door at Lowe's. They had the signs up. What day it's going to be. It's going to be Monday. Nobody comes in without a mask. And they put some girl out there to stand there and tell these guys who are coming in from their jobs just to grab something off the shelf at Lowe's that they can't go in the store because they don't have a mask. She was only out there for a few hours and then they changed the policy. That was, that was the end of that because it was not going well. I mean, we were about to have a, an insurrection right there in Franklin, Kentucky, whatever that is. I don't even know what that means. Nobody else does either. But while all that was going weird, you know, and the world was all messed up, all of a sudden then, uh, the news is on, and, and a horrible thing happened up in Minneapolis, and the next thing you know, cities are on fire. I mean, people are marching in the streets, and they're burning down buildings, and they're looting stores, and, and all kinds of stuff, and having peaceful protests all over the place, and... and and then we learned that that's an approved activity as well. You don't have to, you can leave your house and do that. I mean, you can, you can take your mask off and do it. And, and, and it just got weirder and weirder. And it just went on and on and it just, it just kept going. And, and you look at all those people and, and I know there were, some, there were some very, very wicked people that were behind a lot of stuff and all the looting and the, the burning and it's wicked, wicked people. But there were some, a whole bunch of plain old ordinary decent good people who in the daylight hours went out and marched in the street because they saw an injustice and they wanted the injustice to be fixed and they wanted things to be fair. And if you had asked any of those good decent people who were out there marching during the daylight hours and all the rest, what is it that you want? You know what they, they would have said? We want fairness and we want peace. That's what they would have said. We don't want bad things happening to anybody and we want things to be fair and we want peacefulness and all the rest. But when you don't know where to find something, when you go looking for it, by definition, you're going to find the wrong thing. And so in the midst of all that became the, the whole mess that was the looting and the burning and the destruction and millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of destruction with no repercussions and it was all just fine and good and they're burning down this building and destroying that building and, and they would do it all in the name of peace. But that, that's not how you get peace. Listen, if you want peace, you don't come smash out my window and loot my store. That's not how we have peace. But they don't know where to look and they don't know how to find it. And so all the things that they do to try to get it only make it worse. And they make it less peaceful. I promise you, if you went to the people in Ukraine tonight and said, what is it you'd like? You know what they would say? We want peace. If you went to the people in Russia tonight and said, what do you want? You know what they would say? We want peace. But they don't know where to get it. They don't know where to find it. And so they're looking in the wrong place. And because they're looking in the wrong place, they are finding exactly the opposite of what it is they really want. And that's what the world is doing tonight. They're looking in the wrong place, thinking they want peace, and yet they don't want God involved in the process. And if you throw God out, you will never have peace. He's the author of peace. 
You, you can't have peace without God. All you can have is a temporary cessation of hostilities. And then the hostilities, whether they're internal or external, will come back if you leave God out of the picture. And so God tells us right here in this passage how to have not just a few moments of calm, but how to have real peace. Isn't that wonderful? Take a look here, if you would, at verse number five. It all starts with a proper focus. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. You want to find peace? Well, here's how you start. You get your focus right. He says, here's what I want you to focus on. Moderation. Let your moderation be known unto all men. So, well, that's it's not very exciting. Well, by definition, no, moderation is not very exciting. And it, and it doesn't fit very well into our culture today. Everything in our culture today has to be extreme. There's nothing just normal. It's got to be extreme. You can't even find a bag of regular old nacho cheese Doritos. They've got to be the extreme fire or the extreme cheese or the extreme this or the super that. Why? Well, that's what appeals to our culture today. It's got to be, it's got to be more than just normal. It's got to be wild and weird and out on the edge. And then people will notice and see it. It was just, well, it's been almost two years ago now. A woman, she, she filmed herself or, or recorded herself licking a toilet. Now, let me, let me just say, young people in particular... Don't lick toilets. <laughs> it's not a good idea. I mean, now this was, I mean, COVID is out there and everything, and she's licking a toilet. And, and just to be honest, even if there's nothing out there, just still don't lick a toilet. It's not a good idea. That's what she did. You know why she did that? She wanted people to notice her. So she recorded it, she posted it online, and she got millions of hits on her site. Why? Well, because people don't want to see normal. They want to see weird. They want to see the extreme and the weird. And if you want to get people's attention, you have to do something really weird and really extreme. The problem is now you've got to do something else more extreme next week because they're going to follow something else next week. They're not going to keep following that. They're going to go on. And then she challenged others to do it. And yes, they did. They did. Now, I give her bonus points. Because she did it in an airplane toilet. And if you've ever flown in an airplane and gone into the restrooms in the, in the airplane, you could barely get in there and pull that little door shut. And somehow she turned around and licked the toilet. I mean, bonus points for flexibility. That's... But it's all about being as weird as you can so people will notice you and see you and hopefully they'll like you and they'll follow you and they'll pay attention to you. And God says, here's what I want you to be known for, your moderation. That's, that's what I want to be, the hallmark of your life. Not some weirdness, not some extreme this or that. Or no, I want you to be known for your moderation. Let your moderation be known unto all men. And then he tells us why. The Lord is at hand. You see, I, I don't have to get the world to look at me. I've got the God of heaven looking at me. I don't have to try to amass a bunch of social media followers. I've, I've got God who is at hand. That means he's close by and he's showing up soon. Amen. The Lord is at hand. 
And I need to live my life not trying to impress the world, but thinking, what can I do that pleases the God of heaven? If my life is spent thinking, how can I impress the world? I have just wasted my life. But I should spend my life thinking God is close by. He's watching. I want to please him. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And yet our whole culture is built on the weird and the way out. And just go to Walmart someday. Just look around. Amen. It's scary. I believe the front wall of Walmart ought to be mirrors. So that they have to see themselves at least once before they walk in the door. Amen. I just think that's fair. They should have to see what we have to see. Amen. Uh, it's just fair. Uh, you probably know people don't dress in clothes now. They dress in costumes. They do. They don't just put on clothes that are comfortable and that fit. Oh, no, no. They dress in costumes. They dress as something. And then they go out and try to get your attention so you'll notice them. And, and they desperately want to be seen and they want to be noticed. And if they just had a relationship with God, they'd be seen and noticed. And they wouldn't have to worry about the fickle millions out there who are going to go on to something else tomorrow. Have you noticed? I've, I've been watching the... the the news on this uh, recently, just in the last year, there have been a whole bunch of social media influencers who committed suicide, taking their own lives. I mean, millions and millions of followers, advertising revenue because of all the followers, taking their own lives. Why? Because none of that brings any real peace. It doesn't. You've got to be the weirdest one out there and say the wildest things and, and all the, and you, you, if you can't continue doing it, what hope is there? But if you know the God of heaven, you don't have to live that kind of life. You can rest in the fact that he sees you and he knows you and he loves you and you can just live your life in that wonderful peace. Amen. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. You need a proper focus. But then you need to come to God with pleasing requests. Look at verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So you, you let your moderation be known unto men because the Lord is at hand. And then you bring your requests to God. What is it that causes so much fear and anxiety and difficulty in people's lives? Well, they have problems that they don't know how to fix and they don't know what to do and nobody can help. And God says, here's what you do. You bring your requests to me. You bring them here. We talked about that this morning in Sunday school about prayer. God wants us to bring our requests and our burdens and our supplications and all the rest. Bring them to him. You want to have peace in your life. You're going to have to learn to take your things to him and drop them off there. Because you can't fix them and you can't change them. And if you spend your whole life figuring out how to do it, you're just going to go nuts. So you can bring your requests to God. But look at how he says to do it. Be careful for nothing. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be full of care. You don't have to be anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And again, we talked about it at Sunday school, how Jesus Christ is our mediator. And we don't have to go through somebody else. We can just go directly to God. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to think, oh, maybe God doesn't want to hear from me today. Yes, he does. Listen, that's one of the devil's, one of the devil's ploys. 
your, your life starts to go a little bit haywire. You do something really stupid. And, and the devil says, God's mad at you. You better not talk to him. When God is saying, come talk to me. Now's the time you need to go talk to God. Not go the other way. No, you just, you just go straight to God and bring your burden and bring your problem and bring your request. And he says, do it with thanksgiving. And let your request be made known unto God. With thanksgiving. You might say, well, I don't have anything to be thankful for. I just got this bad news and this terrible thing has happened and, and I'm in this bad situation. I beg to differ. You do have things to be thankful for. You do. You are breathing, right? Amen. Uh, and that can change very quickly. You're breathing. You got out of bed this morning. We, we're doing pretty good so far. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, you have something to be thankful for every day. I mean, if the rest of everything falls apart, you have something to be thankful for. If we were to start over here on this side and go through everybody all the way through and say, okay, list, uh, tell us two things you're thankful for. The first, the first few rows here, it, no, no offense, it'd be kind of shallow because we caught them by surprise. And they'd say, well, I'm thankful I got saved. I'm thankful for my family. Uh, you know, it, it would be kind of that kind of thing because they hadn't had much time to think. By the time we got to the back row, you'd be hearing some more stuff. And by the time we got halfway through this section, you'd be hearing about some wonderful stuff that God has done. I mean, wonderful stuff. Amen. And by the time we got all the way over there, you'd be, you'd be excited about what God has done and what God is doing. And by the time we got done there, these people would be saying, can I go again? I, I, I just thought of something that I wasn't thinking about earlier. And you caught me by surprise. Let me tell you what God did. And then we'd have to go all the way around again. And we'd start again. Because God has been good to you. He has. Oh, things may not be the way you thought they were going to be 20 years ago. But I would dare say that's probably true for everybody in this room. Well, 20, 30 years ago, none of us would have imagined exactly the way our life is right now at this moment in these circumstances. But here we are. So God must have a purpose. And he's been good even in the middle of the confusion, has he not? He's always shown himself strong. He's always been good. Listen, we, uh, we, we can come to him with thanksgiving. And when you come to him with your requests and you start off by thanking God for just a few things that he's done just recently, it'll change your whole attitude. It really will. Because it'll remind you what God can do. And when you remind yourself of what God can do, then when it comes down to asking God for the thing you're about to ask for, you're going to ask with a whole lot of confidence knowing that God can handle this. Because you've already seen what he can do and you know what he can do. You, you get a proper focus and then you make a pleasing request to God. You bring him the, the prayers and the request and do it with thanksgiving. And then look at verse 7. Verse 7 is very important. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So you rejoice in the Lord, you get your focus on moderation, and the Lord is at hand, and then you bring your request to God, and he says, something's going to happen now. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, notice the next word in your Bible, the word shall. That word shall is an important word. 
God has a big vocabulary. And he's put exactly the words he wants in that King James Bible you have in your hand. And he used the word shall there. Now, you say, well, that's because it's uh, old English and they use that where it's very formal and they use the word shall. Oh, no, no. We still use the word shall. We don't use it very much in everyday conversation. But if you if you go purchase something large, you sign a lease on a on an apartment or you buy a car or you you make a purchase of land or whatever you do, uh, some kind of legal contract. You know what word's going to show up in there over and over? Not the word will. The word shall. You know why? It has a stronger legal connotation than the word will does. The word will leaves some wiggle room. Don't know exactly why. You'd have to ask a lawyer. But it leaves a little wiggle room in there. Somehow the word shall cuts out all the wiggle room. And if the contract says you pay X number of dollars and we shall do this, then you've got them. They've got to do it. They've got to do it. It's legally binding. And God knows exactly what word he's using. Amen. So he says, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's a promise. You can underline that, and that one's for you. Amen. That's for the child of God right there. That is a promise from the God of heaven. The peace of God is promised right there. Notice it's the peace of God. It's not your peace that you worked up. It's not peace you got from somewhere else. It comes from God, and then it passeth all understanding. In other words, people out there who don't have God don't understand this kind of peace. Their idea of peace is that my problems went away today, so I have peace. Or I took this and, and I forgot my problems, and so I had peace. That's not what this peace is. This is peace without any of that. This is peace even when you have problems. This is peace that passeth all understanding, and the world doesn't have it, and they don't understand it. The best way I can explain it is a funeral. You ever been to the funeral of, of somebody who was lost, had no use for God in their life, and the people there lost? Listen, that's a horrible place to be, especially for the preacher, because you you don't want to be unkind and you don't want to say this man is burning in hell. But you can't say he's in heaven. And so you have to be very diplomatic and instead let people sitting out there know that they can know where they're going when they die. If they'll trust Jesus Christ as Savior. It's not a comfortable place to be. I've been in those places and I've seen people as they come through and they look at the body. I mean, just wailing and and screaming and nearly crawling into the casket because they know they will never, ever see that person again. Absolutely hopeless. But I've been to the other kind of funeral. Too many of them in the last year. But I've been to the other kind. Listen, some of the best services we've had in the last year have been funerals. Why? Well, because the person was saved and made a big deal about it. And everybody knew they were saved. And I mean, from start to finish, rejoicing in the goodness of God and the fact, almost a little jealous that they got to heaven before we did. Is there still sadness? Yes. Sad because that person's not there and you can't talk to them. But it's not like the other kind. There's peace in the middle of all that. Even though you're sad that you can't be with them all the time, there's peace that says, I'm going to see them again 
and the sooner the better. It's a different thing. The world doesn't have it and they don't understand it. He said, that's the kind of peace you can have. And then he jumps right into verse eight. But don't don't be mistaken. It's not a separate subject matter. He says, finally, my brethren. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So not only do you have to have a proper focus and make a pleasing request and then you have the promise of peace. But then he says, here's something else very important. You need a pure thought life. If you're going to maintain this peace, you're going to have to be thinking about the right things. Things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report. If you're thinking about things that are not true and not just and not lovely, not of good report, you're thinking about untruths and all the rest, it's going to suck the peace right out of your life. It will. It just, you won't maintain that peace if you don't fill your mind with the right thoughts. So, oh, well, I got that covered because all I do is watch the news. Listen, that doesn't even pass the test of true right there at the beginning. Uh, that failed, uh, failed that one. Well, I only, I only watch conservative news. Fail. Listen, they're going to tell you all kinds of stuff, true or not, that you can't do a thing in the world about. And it's only going to frustrate you and annoy you and make you angry. And God did not intend for you to live frustrated and annoyed and angry. He wants you to have peace. So you got to fill your mind with things that are true and just and pure and lovely and of good report. Where are you going to find that? Hmm. There's only one place you're going to find that. you got to go to the Bible. You have to go to the Word of God. And you're going to pick up so much junk from the world every day without trying that you're going to have to go here on purpose and clean it out. And push all that junk out with the Word of God. Because if all you dwell on is the stuff of the world, I promise you, you won't have lasting peace. It can't happen. Oh, I know we have to know what's going on and we have to keep up with stuff and, and all the rest. But don't let that be the, the majority of your thought life. Listen, you, you want to get angry and frustrated and, and all the rest. Just pay attention to politics for a while. And it's just, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's just awful. And, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. What do you have to do? You have to go here and clean it all out. You have to get back here and, and put the right things in your mind and think about the right things. Put on some, put on some good uh, godly music that'll put right thoughts in your mind. And, you know, read things that are honoring to God that'll put right thoughts in your mind. Get in the Bible and push out all the bad stuff with the truth of the word of God. You're going to have to do that on purpose. He says, you're going to have to think about these things. If you want this peace, that's what you've got to do. You've got to have a pure thought life. But look again now here at uh, verse number nine. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. And there's a little bitty two-letter word in your Bible. It's probably the most important word in this verse. Do. Do. Don't just think about the right things. Do them. 
Sometimes we pat ourselves on the back because we're thinking about the right things. And we know the right stuff. But I'll just be honest with you. The devil doesn't care if you know the right stuff. If you don't do anything. And what good does that do? You know, there are folks, there are folks who spend their whole life defending the King James Bible and thank God for it. That's wonderful. Well, why don't you do some of the stuff that's in there? Because quite honestly, now this is going to sound shocking. If you're not going to do anything, you might as well have an NIV in your lap or a, a, an ESV or a, if you're not going to do anything. And what good does it have to have the right thing sitting in your lap if you don't even read it? If you don't know what's in there, I mean, it's just a decoration anyway. Don't, don't just think about the right things. Do them. Put them into practice. Most of our problems in independent fundamental Bible believing Baptist churches are not knowledge problems. Most people who grew up in a half decent church and went through Sunday school and church and camp and Bible school and all the rest. You'd be hard pressed to find some question in the Bible that they didn't really honestly know the answer to. The problem is doing it. And we have to get to the place where we're willing to do what we already know God wants us to do. So he said, don't just think about these things, do them. One of the, one of the interesting things about the COVID shutdown, while, while we were home uh, for those 10 weeks and, and the year after that, our schedule picked back up and we went right back to it the middle of June and, uh, of 2020. And, and we had some wonderful meetings. We were even here in the fall of 2020. We were, we were in various places. We went out, uh, out west and we had some wonderful illegal services in California and Washington and places like that and just had a great time and uh, and it was good and you know what we noticed everywhere we went even though they and some places were out of services for a long time they really were every place we went even though people were not in the pew for X number of months their offerings stayed consistent And in most cases, their missions giving went up. Now, that's not the way that's supposed to happen. You know, our, our thinking, Brother Jacobs, always is if they're not in the pew, they're not going to put money in the plate. And yet what we learned was that people who were going to do right were going to do right even if they weren't sitting there. Even if the plate didn't come across their lap, they were going to do right and they were going to tithe and they were going to give to missions and they were going to do the things that they already knew were right to do. Isn't that a blessing? That's one of the great positive aspects of the whole COVID thing is that you found out that some people were still going to do right no matter what. Even if they weren't able to be in church, they were still going to do what they knew was right. That's exactly how we ought to be. He said, do those things. And then finally, we see the presence of God. Look at the last part of verse 9. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now, there's that word again. Remember in verse number 7, he said, The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, he says, think about the right things. Do these things. And the God of peace shall be with you. The key to real lasting peace is that you must know the God of peace. Because without the God of peace, there is no real lasting peace. And because you know the God of peace, now the peace of God is available to you. 
If you don't know the God of peace, the peace of God is not there. And so the best you can hope for is to forget for a little while or to have some problems go away for a little while. And that never lasts. Said the peace of God, the God of peace shall be with you. True peace is not the absence of trouble. That's where we make our big mistake. Most of the time we think if I can just fix this situation, I'll have peace. If I can just get this person out of my life, I'll have peace. If I can just change this, I'll have peace. That's not true. It's not true. Real peace is not the absence of trouble. Real peace is the presence of God. Because if you have the presence of the God of peace, then whatever people come into your life and whatever circumstances come, you can still have the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Because again, just like about rejoicing, your peace is not based on the circumstances. If it is, you're going to have a lot of unpeaceful days. Your peace has to be based on your relationship with the God of peace. And then, no matter what circumstances come, you can have the peace of God. Listen, in the world we live in today, it's messed up and it's confused. And I'd like to say it's all going to get better real soon. It's going to get worse. It's going to get more messed up and it's going to get more confused. And you know what people out there who are afraid, and people really are, they don't know what's coming next, but they know something is coming down the road. And they're afraid. You know what they need to see from us? Peace. We're not worried. We're not anxious. We're not pulling our hair out and hiding in the mountains with guns. We, we're good. We got peace. You might go hide in the mountains with guns. but that, <laughs> Just check and see if you're awake. But we don't, we don't have to worry because we have the God of peace. And we can trust him. And we can take our burdens to him and leave them there. What a wonderful thing. You've got to have the God of peace to have the peace of God. And if this world could just understand that you don't get peace without the God of peace, it would change everything. You know what the people marching in the streets really needed in 2020? They needed to meet the God of heaven. You know what the Ukrainians and the Russians need to, they need to meet the God of heaven. They don't need some more dead religion. They need to meet the God of heaven. You know what America needs? We need to meet the God of heaven. Oh, we want peace, but we want to push God away. And what we're, we're saying we want peace, but we're doing exactly the opposite of what we're going to have to do to find peace. And we need to run to him and embrace the God of peace. And the only way to know the God of peace is to know his son, Jesus Christ, as your personal savior. And if you don't, you'll never have the peace it's talking about right here. But if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you have available to you the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could be here tonight. Lord, there's so much confusion and fear in our world. People are nervous. They're afraid that a world war will break out or that there will be a, a lack of food or a lack of fuel or a lack of electricity or whatever it is. And they're, they're living in fear all around the world. And the answer to the problem is not electing a different guy for this or that. 
the answer is to know the God of peace. Lord, tonight it might be that there's somebody here who does not know you, somebody who's not trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. If that's the case, Lord, I pray they wouldn't leave that way tonight, but that they would trust Christ before they walk out these doors, before it's too late. God, for each and every saved person, Tonight, I pray that you would remind us that if we're not living with the peace of God, it's because the world has put too much junk in our lives. And tonight, we just need to get it out of there. We need to quit thinking about things that are not true and not honest and not lovely. And we need to get back on the word of God and thinking the right thoughts. Lord, help us to have the peace you said we could have. And we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. We're going to have an invitation song. But tonight, maybe the Spirit of God has spoken to your heart. Say, you know, I've been dealing with turmoil, fear, all the rest. I don't want to live that way. Listen, not only do you not want to live that way, you don't have to live that way. I promise you, you don't. Maybe you need to come tonight and just say, God, please help me to think about the right things. Help me to dwell on the right things that are going to honor you and please you. God, I need that peace. If you work a job out there in the world somewhere, you probably work with people who are nervous, people who are scared, people who are living in fear and anxiety. Why don't you ask God to help you show them how they can have peace? by knowing the same Savior that you know. Not by taking this drug or drinking this thing or, no, but by knowing the God of peace. This altar's open for you. There are people here doing business with God. It's time for you. Clear.